Hey guys, welcome to the 11th episode of The Last Picture Hose. My name is Emma Beatty. And I'm Lily Stuklin. And today we are going to be doing a Sofia Coppola spectacular, a little double feature of her new film On the Rocks with her second feature film, Lost in Translation. But first, it's obviously been a while since we've done this. The last time we recorded a pod was in June, so... Lily, how you, how you been? How you hanging? Well, now I get to see you in person again, which I'm fucking grateful for. Happy to be here. Um, it's been mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally taxing, as I'm sure it has been with yeah. everyone. Mm-hmm. But I'm really glad that we do, we are back in the saddle doing this thing because I feel like you know, there still has been content coming out, but every time me and you were like, oh, maybe we'll do this one, maybe we'll do this one, we'd either watch something and then not get super excited about it, or just like, it's been hard to find motivation lately to do some things. So I'm glad that we are back on the wagon doing this and that I'm here with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, sometimes I think, oh, it feels weird to be talking about things like movies when there's so much other stuff going on in the world. We're recording this on Halloween, which means election day is imminent. Um, So that's a lot. But I think part of why we wanted to do this was because we just wanted, like, a distraction more than anything. We wanted to talk about literally anything other than politics. So here we are talking about wonderful movies and just trying to, you know... Just trying. Just just, just (laughs) trying. Just trying. Just trying to be a little bit positive. But we want to touch first on just, like, the state of movies in general. Um, It's been a tumultuous few Mm, months for the movie industry. Thank you. Thank you. It's an SAT word. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, it's been a rough few months. So, Lily, as our resident movie expert. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Give us a little rundown. Where are we at right now? How are things? Well, they're not great, Bob. Not (laughs) great. Um, Last time we talked on the pod was back in June for our King of Staten Island episode, which may as well have been two years ago. Yeah. And at that time, I think theaters were just starting to open up across the country, so we were kind of like, that's when all the big circuits were, you know, rolling out their safety plans and making a big, like, hoorah about it. And everyone was gearing up for Tenet and Mulan. Well, here we are. Fast forward to the end of October. Mulan has been put onto Disney Plus for the lovely premium price of $30 a pop. And then I think once everyone realized it wasn't that great in the first place, didn't really flock to it like I'm sure they would have had it been in the theaters. I remember I was excited to see it in the theater. Same. Did not shell out the $30 to see it at Disney Plus. I think we'll be able to see it with the account for free in December. Yeah, December. I can't remember which date, but it does come out. Yeah, but now it's so, like, in the back of my mind, and it's so funny because that was, like, one of the big things this year. Um, I know. And really the only big thing to come out in theaters was, is Tenet, uh, which... I think it's been chugging along. It's been doing pretty well overseas in terms of box office, but here it's just, you know, I think people don't know that theaters are open or they're still feeling unsafe. And just here in New York, to what, a week ago, two weeks ago, theaters opened again and they're still not open in the city. So it's still, in terms of the box office and the traditional theatrical experience and all that, things are still pretty dismal, but I would say that more than ever, people need something to distract themselves even if it is watching it on your computer watching it on your phone rip quibi that's new news i called that months ago Ugh. i'm just gonna say yeah but but even now like the like i'm sure the people who are producing quibi shows are trying to shop those around now to make like yeah. let's make this a netflix show let's make this amazon like the desire and demand for content is still out there so it's like 
movies and TV shows, like, they're not going away anytime soon. I think it's just, once again, the way we consume them and, like, the business model of it all, that's shifting. But that's okay because that's time and that's what time does is things change. But there will still be movies for us to talk about for years to come. So I'm, I am hopeful. I am cautiously optimistic because I have no other choice but to be. Yeah, no, I mean, we've had many discussions over the last few months about how much we miss the movie-going experience and being able to dip into a theater for two hours and just escape the world. And I've, I've even written about this for work and how it feels like we need that escapism more than ever and it's hard not to have it, especially, I don't know, for us, I feel like that's really like such a ritual just to go to the theater and like have a nice little day at the movies, um, and it's and it's been really hard not to have that. But at the same time, the need for escapist content is still there, and we can still access that in so many other ways. So while movies are movie going is temporarily on hold, that does not mean movies are on hold. And we have had lots of great indie releases this year, and lots of stuff that is really worth talking about, even though you know we're not looking at five Marvel movies coming out over the next six months or something, probably. Um, There's still lots to chat about, which is part of why we wanted to do this pod, because we felt particularly inspired by or... Driven, moved. Moved, (laughs) yes. We were like, we just, we want to talk about Sofia Coppola. So we're here to talk about Sofia. All right. Let's do a quick rundown on who she is, you know, for those listeners who might not be as familiar with her in terms of background, etc. So she is the daughter of the legendary Francis Ford Coppola, the director of The Godfather. Fun fact, she was actually in The Godfather when she was just a wee wee baby. Um, she played the baby in the film. So she's been on sets and stuff her whole life, as most of the listeners probably know. Um, but Lily has a particular fun fact that she would like to share with everybody. Actually, I have two. Oh my god, two fun facts. <laughs> oh my but god. first and foremost, the Coppola Empire ex- knows no bounds, ba- expands to reaches of entertainment that I don't think some people have realized. That Nicolas Cage is her cousin. Crazy. Absolutely <laughs> insane. So his actual, his birth last name is Coppola, but he just changed it to avoid nepotism, which I really respect because I feel like we are, entertainment is an industry that thrives and is driven by nepotism. Is, and if there is any family for you to be a part of, for you to benefit from that, it is the Coppola family. So kudos to you, Nick Cage. Um, I respect that. And then yes. my other one is... So, the Coppola family owns a vineyard, a very large vineyard in California. As one does. As one does. Um, You know, when you just get, you know, a little too old to, to, you know, be on set making movies, you know, doing 12, 14-hour shoots, you just just make some wine. Um, And it's always my thing if I'm ever visiting, like, a friend's parents or, like, you know, meeting, like, a guy's parents or anything and you need to, like, just you gotta show up somewhere for a host with a bottle of wine. I always try to grab a Coppola bottle because they're like, you know, your standard bottle of wine that you buy for yourself. Well, I don't know what you're spending on yourself, but I'm like worth no more than eight to $11 bottles. Oh, Lily. <laughs> no. Honey, you deserve more. Okay, thank that's you. another conversation for a different time. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> no, thank you. That that means a lot. But but it's not like I'm buying myself like $24 Coppola bottles, but if you ever just need to like show up to a host and like you know, impress it with a little something extra. I always bring a Coppola bottle because it is always ultra, also like a natural 
way for me to be like, oh my God, movies. And, you know, just a little plug for myself in there. And it's good wine. So there you go. I mean, whatever works, whatever floats your boat. Everyone has to have a personality shtick. Okay. Yeah, this episode has been brought to you by the couple of family shirts. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish. Um, no, okay. So my fun fact about Sofia Coppola is that she was married to Spike Jones, the director, for, you know, like three years or so. And recently in interviews, she has like openly called him like her starter marriage, like her, her test run marriage, which I thoroughly appreciate. And also I think I read a headline where she told, she said to the interviewer that she told her daughters not to get married, which I find to be hilarious and amazing. And also says a lot about the movie we are about to discuss, which is On the Rocks. So On the Rocks, what are we dealing with in terms of plot here, Lily? Well, first we should say it's on Apple TV Plus. It came out on the 23rd. If you don't have Apple TV Plus, I think you can do like a trial or something. You know more about this than I do. Yeah, so we know no one has Apple TV Plus because there's so many other. You probably had Quibi before you had Apple TV Plus. But so in the event that you don't, um, I would still recommend you being able to access this movie. And you can do that in one of two ways that is not directly paying for it or stealing someone's subscription. Uh, so you can get a free trial. And I definitely would promote that for being able to watch this movie. You gotta be or, a thrifty bitch. You gotta be a thrifty bitch. Um, and, and or, whenever you inevitably break your phone, or let's say you get a new Apple product for the upcoming holidays, you get a year of Apple TV Plus with that. So there you go. No matter what, Apple's getting your money. Just, you know, as long as you can reap some benefits of it. Yes. There you go. But I also will say that we... I feel like they are starting to find their stride as a streaming platform. Like, I've been hearing really good things about Ted Lasso, um, and Dickinson has gotten some pretty good reviews. I know a few friends who really like that, and I think there's going to be at least two more seasons of that. I'm not exactly remembering off the top of my head. And then they have Boys State, the documentary, which is part of their deal with A24, and On the Rocks is also part of that deal. So, you know, there's some there's some content to discover, even if you only pay for it for, like, a month and then you cancel. Like, I don't know. It might be worth it. Yeah. We, we enjoyed this movie, so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk plot. Lily, okay, give us a rundown. So, On the Rocks follows uh, Rashida Jones, who is playing this well-to-do woman, mother, daughter, you know, kind of in the middle of her marriage, in the midst of having kids, living in a beautiful townhouse in Soho in New York City. Um, and her husband is played by Marlon Wayans, and their marriage is kind of, has the title would suggest, On the Rocks. Um, and I think they've just kind of reached, like, the plateau in how, how many relationships do. I can't speak for myself personally, you know, once I get there, I'll be sure to let you know. Right, right. We'll sort of relax that. <laughs> Just as long as everyone in this podcast knows that I'm single. But, <laughs> yeah, so uh, she is kind of, you know, like, they're not really, like, the sex life isn't there. It's just, yeah. you know, you're they're running They're in a through, rut. They're in a rut. You're running through the motions. You're taking the kids to school. You're doing X, Y, Z, and you're just crossing things off your list, and you're just kind of, like, surviving. Um, enter in her father, played by Bill Murray. Uh, who is a recurring character in the Sofia Coppola-verse. Mm -hmm. uh, and he is kind of like your New York playboy, like... He's definitely he's, of a different generation. Yes. Like a generation that feels like it doesn't exist anymore. Very, like, knows everybody, says hello to everybody on the street, like, is such a womanizer, etc., etc. Yes, and he kind of swoops into her life after they had a bit of an on-the-rocks relationship themselves, has father and daughter... 
um, kind of to try to extend a, an olive branch her way to help her with her relationship with her husband. He's going to try to kind of help her snoop around and find out if he, uh, her husband is cheating on her or not. Yes. And hijinks ensue. Yes, because she has some suspicions that he's cheating, so that's kind of like the catalyst for the dad to come back. And he's like, let's figure this out. Let's Let's figure out if he's really really doing stuff he shouldn't be doing. So that's that's basically the plot of the movie. We both enjoyed this, but we had different different um reactions to parts of it, but let's I think first let's talk about like what we liked about this movie. I think for me personally, it is like it is such a New York movie in that they just really like highlight all the reasons New York is so great. They Bop around the town in his little Alfa Romeo. They go to Bellman's. They go to the Twenty One Club. They like hit all the good spots, and they just really experience all that New York has to offer. And I think it feels really weird to watch it right now because New York is still so shut down. Like you can't you can't go do half the things they do in this movie. But it feels. I don't know. It made me nostalgic for a New York we haven't had for the last few months and also hopeful for when we get to when we get to have that back cuz we will eventually. If we eventually make a lot of money and buy a townhouse in Soho and drive around in our father's Alfa Romeo, sure. <laughs> um, no, but but it definitely I I agree that I loved this movie for the the new has New Yorkers there. So can we say that? Are we allowed to say that? Yeah. Okay, cool. So has New Yorkers ourselves. It yes, for sure, given the circumstance, um, you know, with COVID and shutdown and quarantine and all that, made me nostalgic for, you know, just strolling around the street with a cup of coffee in your hand and not a mask on and yeah. you know, being able to go drink a martini in a fancy bar. Um and I think even if lockdown had not, you know, had there been an alternative path where this did not happen, I still think that it the way that it portrays New York, and New York is very much a character in this movie. Mm. Um, it's like a living, breathing yes. environment that they kind of, you know, interact with throughout the movie. It still would be, I don't know, I would describe it almost as like a Woody Allen-esque quality, in a good way. Like, um, when you watch Midnight in Paris, and you are someone who has been to and very much enjoys Paris, Paris will never, ever be how it is in Midnight in Paris. Like, it, yeah. that is, like, the epitome of, like, the storybook version of it. That's, yeah. like, how you think it should feel, make you feel, and look, and the, the lights, and, like, all of that kind of wrapped up, I think, is how she captures New York. Um, yeah. Which is really, it's really, like, sweet in yes. that way. It, it, I think what I enjoyed most about it was just, like, was just settling in and, like, spending an hour and a half in that world it was just so fun to go along for the ride with them um I'll also say this is like a little bit of a tangent but something that I find interesting about this and I'm not the first person to observe this um but Rashida Jones is really interesting casting here because Sophia obviously has a very a very famous dad herself and um this is a story about dads and daughters and she cast Rashida Jones who also herself has a very famous dad in Quincy Jones so what is interesting is I I imagine there was a level of connection there between the two of them because I'm sure they've had a lot of the same experiences and then you know maybe the kind of famous dad qualities can be seen in the Bill Murray character who is not technically famous but kind of lives his life as if he 
he has main character syndrome in, in a way, you know? He, like, really is, like, the star of his own show. As wealthy white men tend to, exactly. to think of themselves. Exactly. Yeah, so, but that brings us to the Bill Murray performance, which I, which I think is something we also both really loved. I, I will say what's interesting is that we, I think, I mean, and correct me if your experience was different, but we kind of were born right after his comedic heyday I feel Mm -hmm. if we're if we're doing like the math and so I don't know that we ever maybe I I always obviously knew who he was and he's you know like a legend but But I feel like by the time we came into like having a knowledge of it it was like like he was already like in that legend status so you were like okay like he can now like cameo himself and he can just show up and everyone's like he's here yes totally so it was really nice to I, I feel like seeing him in this role I I was like oh it's such it's such a nice reminder to you know have Bill Murray appreciate Bill Murray more (laughs) exactly we all need to have more appreciation for Bill Murray I think I think I heard something somewhere where he doesn't his agent doesn't call him for roles he has this might totally be untrue but I just would like to imagine that it is he's got like a phone line in his house shut up that only the people who like he wants to have it like have it because like he's not a man that needs to do a job for a paycheck anymore no. right like he, he needs old like far enough along into his career where like yeah. this man will only do stuff that he, he really wants to that do. he wants to do so it's supposed to be like you have a direct line to bill murray and like he will only like you know like pick it up and be like oh it's bill and like oh bill i got a project for you oh my god <laughs> that's so great i hope i hope that's true that's absolutely i lovely. hope that one day i can just have kind of like a superhero hotline phone in yeah. my home office and if people like that's the only way people can contact me if they want to work with me can they have that's to know amazing. it already it's like you got to be in i might do that as as soon as next week <laughs> that feels really like what i, I don't need know how many calls life. you're going to be getting <laughs> exactly Hmm, yeah, probably none, but that's okay. So, we want to talk about the ending of this movie without spoiling it. Uh, we're going to try really hard not to spoil it, because obviously we assume that the majority of people who will listen to this haven't seen it. But Lily took some issues with the ending. Got some qualms. Yes, and I felt differently about it. So, how do you, how do we do this without yeah, spoiling it? So, I, the way that I would describe this film is that I really enjoyed the journey and the destination just wasn't worth it for me. But, you know, sometimes it's all all that matters is the journey. Yeah. Um, so, like we said before, like, the catalyst for Rashida and Bill's father-daughter relationship to kind of bloom in the film is her kind of having doubts about whether her husband is cheating on her or not. And so, you know, you're kind of... The plot device of her relationship with her husband is, you know, how we move along with it throughout the whole movie. And then at the end how that kind of ties up I don't think merited the entire journey that we went on like it just kind of I I was left at the end being like girl like do better for yourself damn it yeah but you would disagree uh yeah I mean I think okay I get I think I agree with you to an extent but I didn't feel like it discredited the rest of the movie because I think what this movie is really about is not really the marriage it's about the dadder, the fa- the dadder, <laughs> the father daughter relationship. Um, sorry, Ooh, it's been a while since we've done this. Um, so I I think that it's really about a dad trying to connect to his daughter, a daughter reckoning with the mistakes of her father and how that impacts her own marriage. To me, I almost felt like the marriage was a B plot, even though it wasn't. It like wasn't. Yeah, no, for sure. But at the same time, it's like 
yeah, I definitely was the father daughter. The, the, what, how did you say it? Dad or daughter. <laughs> the dad or daughter <laughs> <laughs> relationship was like the the purpose of it all. But I still think that if if you're gonna use the marriage has the the plot point to get everything moving, like yeah. that still also even if it's like that's the B plot, like that still needs to wrap up in a satisfying way too. And it just didn't do that for me. But either way, I would gladly spend an hour and a half traipsing around New York City with Bill Murray any day. Oh, yeah. It was very, like, cozy in that way. It was very, yeah, it just felt like one of those movies you want to sit on the couch and, like, wrap up in a blanket with a bottle of wine and just enjoy, you know? It it just, it felt so, like, cozy, like you said. I think that's, like, the perfect word. And I don't know, it just, it was just, it was just nice, damn it. It was a nice movie. And I I think if you're looking at this movie also on the... The, like timeline of Sophia's career it's also a very I, I think it's a like a big point for her because she went from having these like kind of cool sexy ballsy I don't want to say that this feels safe but this feels comfortable almost you know yeah. she's making this movie you know she's got her husband's doing the music everyone's in, like you know everyone's kind of it's almost like a familial effort she's, she's got all her people and yes. they're gonna make a nice little movie yes which yeah. I think like is tantamount and testament to her being um, you know, a woman director with a successful career behind her, which is almost an anomaly. It is an yeah, anomaly. Yeah. Um, to, you know, be well-respected and have that many under her belt with, like, that big of a cast and coming back with her every time. Um, so I think that it was, it's cool to see that in her career, but I also, and I, and I, this is, these are not my words, but that it's the least cool thing that she has made. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm okay with that, though. I feel like she has done so many different kinds of things that I'm okay with her taking... I mean, I'm okay with her, as if I'm allowed to give her permission. She's, she's fine. She can keep doing what <laughs> you know, she's doing. Sophia, no, um, I mean, it, it's it's okay with me to have her take a film to be, like, a little bit quieter and a little bit more reflective, and um, I, I really enjoyed that. I think I think the breadth of work she has produced is really great, so I I see what you're saying, though. It is definitely, like, the least... Maybe the least sexy of the movies she's done recently, yeah. or the, I don't know. Yeah, but but I don't think I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that in like yeah. a, when you look at this and compared to her other work, which we are going to do with Lost in Translation soon, it I think it shows a lot of like growth and time passing in her own like reflected on her own life, yeah, and career. And I think it feels very, you know, someone in the middle of life trying to explore this relationship that I'm gonna make a guess has been so important in her life um so that's I don't know it it worked it worked for me in that way but yeah we really we like this movie the end is not you'll you'll see it when you see it (laughs) (laughs) let us know how you feel yeah I want I want people to to you know reach out on our social medias send us a text because it's mostly all of our friends listening yep (laughs) thanks friends we love you um and let us know how you thought about the ending and where you think this falls on the sophia scale yes but we're gonna move into our double feature which we feel pairs really nicely with on the rocks and we're gonna talk about it's like a beverage pairing it really is on the rocks what would you like with that some lost in translation amazing sounds delicious um Lost in Translation, her second feature film starring Bill Murray and a very young Scarlett Johansson, 17 years old, (gasps) which is crazy. I can't imagine making a movie when I was 17. Um, But this one is about 
Bill Murray plays an actor who's going to Tokyo to film a whiskey commercial. And it's kind of, he's at the point in his career where he's sold out, basically. He's taking a $2 million paycheck to do these commercials when he jokingly says in the movie that he could be doing a play somewhere. And she is there in Tokyo as well, Scarlett's character, because her husband is a photographer and he's there for business. So the whole point of, well, not the whole point of, but they both as characters are extremely lonely. They are in this foreign city that they don't know. He's getting faxes, faxes, because this is an old movie, um, faxes from his wife asking about carpet samples for his study. He very clearly doesn't give a shit. She, as in Scarlet, is being rather ignored by her husband, who seems to be more interested in... Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris, yes. <laughs> Bring back Anna Ferris. Yes, exactly. Um, Anna Ferris plays a celebrity who the husband is photographed. Anyways, so they're both kind of in this strange place, and they're very lonely, and they find each other. They're lost. Yeah, they're lost in translation. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the plot of this movie, if you haven't seen it. The reason why Lily and I picked this one to watch and pair with On the Rocks was because we had actually never seen this. Um, so that was exciting to kind of... I, I always like to, like, discover something new not new, new to me, mm-hmm. of a director I'm seeing, you know, it's nice to do double features and kind of look back at director's previous work to pair yeah. with their new and work. I think this was also a natural selection because of Bill, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. being the through line here. And I think a lot of the themes of the movie, too, like it's a very, so much in the same way that she kind of captured New York has its own character, Tokyo is this also living, breathing thing. And whereas... I think the way that she filmed New York um, was in a very, like, familial way and, like, comforting and, like, that's, like, you could be, like, okay, like, she definitely, like, lived there, grew up there, whatever. Tokyo is kind of filmed and treated in a very alien way, which I think, like, this movie was filmed in 2003, now reads a little bit, like, caricature-ish. Like, I think, like, yeah, like, a lot of the... The Japanese characters are kind of all just there to advance. Yeah, they're very much stereotypical. There's a lot of relying on cliches in in a way that feels really icky now that maybe didn't feel icky back then. That's not an excuse, but that that part of the movie I don't think is aged particularly well. But I think her treatment of the city is very... So they spend the majority of their time in this film inside the hotel that they're both staying at, which is how they meet. Um, But even then... It's still, like, just looking out the windows of this hotel, like, the bar on the on the, the top floor of it, you're constantly seeing, like, the bokeh lights of the city, like, yeah. the flashing red lights and the neon that is very distinctly that we, like, Westerners know to be, like, okay, like, that's Tokyo. That's that Tokyo, is, yeah. That is, like, a land of otherness that, like, we here in Western culture don't understand, yeah. which I think really emphasizes the loneliness and, like, the kind of wandering and longing that the two main characters in this movie feel. Yeah, I think it's interesting too because the Scarlet character, they are hitting her in a moment where not only does she feel lonely in her marriage, at one point she, she's been married for two years. She's pretty young in the movie. I don't know exactly how old she's So she's, so, because we were hung up on the, the the fact that she was 17 for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she said, I believe in the movie she had graduated college two years prior, so I think she's like 23, 24. Okay. So she got married pretty young by today's standards, but she's, you know, in this place where she feels not only 
she says something in the beginning of the movie. She's on the phone with a friend at home, and she says something about how she doesn't even recognize the man she married anymore or something. I'm paraphrasing probably incorrectly, but then she says to the Bill Murray character that she doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life, so I think she's at a really pivotal moment in her life, and she meets this man who's older and, you know, seems to have some wisdom of some sort, and it's kind of, the movie shows them, you know, trying to figure their shit out in a way together um, through this weird week that they spend in the same place while her husband leaves to go do work in another city. So it's really interesting. I, this, we should say this movie won Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars that year, which really cemented her as, you know, well, I was going to say really cemented her as not just Francis Ford Coppola's daughter, but I mean that very obviously much plays into it. Her own, yeah, yeah, her own merits. Yes, with this. you could argue that as much as you wanted. But something that I thought was so interesting in watching this right after watching On the Rocks is that I I feel that these movies very much exist in the same universe. In that it feels like On the Rocks is almost a continuation of Lost in Translation. Like you're catching up with the Bill Murray character twenty years later because. Because he just plays Bill Murray. But no, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, because... So in... Okay, there's one point in particular that really made me think that. So in Lost in Translation, he gives this speech to Scarlett's character about how you have kids and it changes things and in your marriage and you, you love them. They're, you know, they're a miracle, but all of a sudden you and your partner maybe feel differently about each other and he made this comment about how she used she he says about his wife she used to go with me on every set and once we had kids she didn't want to travel anymore and I feel like things are different now basically is what he says and weirdly in On the Rocks the Felix character says basically the same thing about the downfall of his marriage to Rashida Jones mom so he says He's an art dealer in that movie, and his name is Felix, which is different. His name is Bob in Lost in Translation, but he says, I, all of a sudden she had you kids, we had you kids, and she didn't want to travel with me anymore. And it's, it's like basically the same, which I found to be so interesting. And it's almost like in Lost in Translation, you're getting the Bill Murray character right before a divorce. And in On the Rocks, you're getting him 20 years later talking to his own daughter about mm-hmm. the downfall of his marriage. And I just thought it was so interesting because they very much feel like a continuation of one another, even though they're not technically... Yeah, no. And I, I think that's that also goes to show how, like, this movie, Lost in Translation, was 2003, so earlier on in her career. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of caps it off with this. So I think in terms of, like, her own growing... Like, Sophia's own growing has, like, a director and a storyteller... And kind of mirroring in her own relationships with her father and mirroring that with the Bill Murray character in both mm-hmm. and the characters of the two women. Yeah, and what I thought was interesting too in this, um, in Lost in Translation, as you said, kind of dealing with, you know, father-daughter things in On the Rocks, something about the relationship between the Bob character and the Charlotte character felt very... Um, father-daughter to me not in a creepy way like not not in a way that made me think oh this is icky but it just there there's a type of like a mentorship yeah like a paternalism there that I thought was really sweet and it you know it's kind of him saying I've lived more life than you let me tell you what I know about life yeah and she's like okay yeah (laughs) she's like I'll take anything at this point yeah yeah I I was shocked by how not 
grossed out yeah. by, yeah. by, like, like once I put the... First off, Scott Johansson has, cannot age a day, is, no. is a timeless human being, and is perfect at any stage in her life. I um, mean, except when it comes to all the shitty things she said. True. But true, when it comes true. to her screen... Her, yes, her, yes. Yes, yes. What, what she can portray on screen. Yes. Um, but... And my roommate, who I watched this with, and I were talking, we were saying, like, you, she could play up. Like, she's one of the few actresses that plays up. Like, she's playing someone yeah. who's, like, 24, 25. Yeah. And now that she's, what, like, in her mid-30s, mid-30s like, yeah. she could still play down to, like, 22 if she totally. needed to. Like, yeah. Like, I, she's got that down. So, besides her, I, I think, like, that kind of, like, mentor, mentee, like, we've just found each other at this point in our lives where we both didn't know what we were looking for keeps it from being, like, skeezy. Yeah. Like, because I didn't feel that at all, no, and I, I thought either. that I would. And, like... And it's funny. Let me just say, it's funny that you mentioned Woody Allen earlier, because I feel like in the hands of any other director, we would maybe feel icky about it, right? Yes. Like, there's something about this that you you don't really think about it until the it's end. The You're touch like, of a woman. Yeah. <laughs> the touch of a woman. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but that it made me think of that, because there are so many other movies in that have not aged well in that respect and you look back and you're like oh that's gross but this I feel like is not one of them yeah and and I think and it's funny because th- this whole movie is kind of like rife with sexual tension mm-hmm. but at the same time like because no sex ever comes from it like not to be a spoiler alert but kind of not really um never comes from it like it's it's so much all the better for that like yeah like when they're lying in bed together and they just, like, kind of drift off to sleep because they just spent a night out in Tokyo together. And he just ever so gently, like, touches her foot. I'm, like, touching Emma's hand yeah. next to me for, like, examples emphasis. Yes, exactly. You can't <laughs> see this, but she is lightly touching my hand. Yeah, see, like, ever so lightly, like, gaze, like, gauzes her foot as she falls asleep on the bed. And, like, that was, like, I was like, oh, oh my god. Like, they, they physically touched. Yeah. But, but no, I, I think that that... The lack of that, the lack of, like, physicality between them is what made it so believable that, like, she is just, they're both lost souls and they have found each other very serendipitously in this hotel at this point in their lives in such a foreign land to both of them. Yeah. And then found something that made them feel a little more at home. You know what's interesting? I just realized as we were talking about this, and this is definitely a tangent, so I apologize, but kind of in talking about the people involved in this movie and their other work... There's also a weird parallel to be drawn between Scarlett's performance in this and Scarlett's performance in Marriage Story. Because... Yeah. Wow. Because that is about the end of a marriage between two artists and, you know, their egos and their successes getting in the way of one another and them kind of not being able to come to terms and hint... Like, weirdly, I think there's a parallel between the husband in this movie and the Adam Driver character. Oh, for and sure. And insecurities and whatever. So it, it is interesting that even, you know, when she was 17, she was already exploring through her roles, like, the demise of marriage. And she's continued to do that. And that... If, and in her real life. <laughs> exactly. But if, if Lost in Translation and On the Rocks are kind of, like, bookends of one another for Sofia Coppola, I almost think there's a case to be made about that being the case for Scarlett Johansson, too, with Lost in Translation and Marriage Story. They also feel like they maybe are... That's an immaculate point. Thank you. Yeah, I really just came up with <laughs> that. that. That's really not in the notes. It's not in the... I can I confirm. it on my ass. Not in the notes. <laughs> but, no, I... That... Yeah. And I feel not to be, like... 
has someone in their 20s facing their quarter-life crisis. I, there's the, the scene where she's lying in bed with Bill, and she's like, I tried to be a writer, but I hate what I write. I went through photography pay- phase. Every, every girl-, girl goes through a photography phase. <laughs> and I was like, don't, don't talk about me like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, no, I think just that kind of sense of, like, what am I here to do? And, what, yeah. like, not to be like, what does it all mean? What's my purpose? And to not necessarily find that in another person, but just recognize that someone at another point in their life will feel that in a different sort of way and like being like it's okay that like that is an okay thing to feel yeah and what makes it okay is knowing that there's someone else out there and sharing that with them yeah because it's like he can't he couldn't share that with his wife even like she would Mm -hmm. fax him and call him like his wife was not absent in his life yeah and he was not absent in hers like he's calling her up throughout the movie but just that connection is not there that like kind of I am feeling what you're feeling. And then same with her husband. Like, her husband is not not present in this. Like, right, right. The, the movie ends and he's sending her a little cutesy fax. Yeah. It's, like, the equivalent of, like, a cutesy text. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I can't wait to see you later. And it's like, so yes, like, that that love from their spouses is there, but it's just not the same sort of, like, I guess, emotional weight and connection that they needed. Yeah, I was reading a review of this movie... Um, I was reading the Roger Ebert review of it, and he loved this movie, for the record, but... R.I.P. R.I.P. He said something about how, um, about how there are certain things that you can say to a stranger that you can't say to the people in your real life, because it would be too hard to say. But when, you know, Bill Murray says that thing about, like, when you have kids, it changes. It's never the same. And she says, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know who I want to be. Those are things that are so much easier to admit to someone you don't know. And I think... That's part of like what your makes therapist. This, like your therapist. Like your therapist. That's what makes this movie work, I think, is that they can have conversations with each other that they can't have with the other people in their lives. Mm-hmm. And you're watching them come to terms with these things that are so hard to say, but maybe hard or easier to say to someone who you, you may never see again, you know? Yeah. And that brings us to the end of the movie. Mm. So the... I mean, I don't know. This, this is allowed to be... I feel like if it's not a recent movie... Like, yes. On the Rocks, we're not going to ruin the ending for you. Yes. But this movie... Like, shame on both of us for not having seen it until this week. But, like, you know, we should be all up to speed by now. So... Yes. So, this movie ends with... They they kind of have this weird goodbye in the hotel lobby. And it, it's weirdly, like, anticlimactic. Because they don't even, like, hug. They don't even... You're like, oh, oh my god. That's really how this is going to end. And then as Bill Murray is driving to the airport... He sees her walking throughout the streets of Tokyo and he tells the driver to stop and he gets out and he runs up to her and he basically like gives her a huge hug and it's like the most tender thing They do kiss, they do kiss. Yes, but I, what felt so special about it to me was when he like, he put his hand on the back of her head and like stroked her hair in such a like, such a loving way, which I thought was so sweet. And then they kissed and then he whispers something in her ear and it's, it's not... As the audience, we don't know what it is. So this is a little bit of trivia that I don't She's even... so proud that she I know. I'm this. so proud that I know this. And for everyone who's listening that already knows this, sorry, but I'm really thrilled for myself. But apparently that was kind of like something that when they filmed it, they were like... Sophia was like, I don't know what I want here, so let's just, let's just have bill say something and then i'll dub it in later when i figure out what i want him to say it was kind of like a, a she wasn't sure fix it in post yes exactly so it was a figure out later it was a fix it in post moment and then when they watched it 
they thought it was perfect that we as the audience didn't know what he said because it was, you know, something, it was like a secret that they shared that we would never figure out. Mm -hmm. So they never dubbed anything over it. And that was her, it was her choice to not dub anything. Mm -hmm. So that's why that works like that. And people have asked apparently for years, like, what does he say to her in that last scene? And they've never said anything. And and Bill Murray has said in interviews, he said, it's it's a secret between lovers, and that's all I'll say. Cheeky bastard. I know, I know. <laughs> but people have tried to figure it out. People have tried to, like, enhance the visual. <laughs> they're like, yes, exactly. Not, uh, his lips or something. Yes, pe- there are, like, videos all over YouTube where people, like, claim they figured it out. But um, they, Sophia and Bill have never, oh, I think Scarlett, it's, have I, never copped to, like, I think it's it all the better for it. Because, yeah, I think that that's the whole point of the movie is that, like, it is something like what is between them is so like kind of singular mm-hmm. like like romantic yes but like yeah just singular to what they both like both those characters needed in their lives at that moment that yeah. it's like that's for them to have yes and it and it feels almost like yeah i think it's it's really it was a great choice to have that work out that like that because it's i don't know there's something really special about the ending cuz you're watching two people who had this week together that was obviously incredibly impactful for both of them but you know that they're probably never going to see each other mm-hmm. again and so it's just so interesting to watch that and it just I don't know not being able to tell is like a punch in the gut in the way that is so it's like visceral yeah I don't know I like got really like emotional when I watched the end because yeah. I was like oh I was, my god <laughs> I was cocooned up on my couch watching this like fully swaddled in a blanket and I was just like I'm feeling like I'm being held. I know. I was like, <laughs> I'm feeling a lot of things. Yeah. But but now I love it. But I, this is my tangent, and this is kind of, like, random. But the scene, so her walking away, when he notices the back of her head as she's walking through the yeah. crowd in Tokyo, she obviously is, like, you know, the singular American woman in yes. this movie. Um the back of her hair, her hair in this movie, this movie is so distinctly 2003, but her hair in this movie is, like, strawberry blonde choppy bangs and it looks and I noticed in this final scene while she was walking away from him and he goes up to to hug her and embrace her is there her hair looks exactly like Lady Gaga's hair in A Star is Born and I hated her hair in that movie yeah it's not it's not exactly good it's not cute it's not a look it's not a look look. yeah I wonder yeah or if Lady Gaga was the one emulating Scarlett because that happened first but whatever that was my tangent yes no that is a cinematic parallels as we (laughs) say I hear that all right Lily so how did you feel we've seen a few Sofia Coppola movies at this point between the two of us how do you feel that both of these or maybe on the rocks specifically because it's the new one how does it fall for you in the order of things I would put it firmly in the middle because I don't yeah I don't think like it's not a bad movie by any accounts but it did not like after watching Lost in Translation last night I was like floored a little bit like I was so much more like damn there it is like right in my heart um and so I think just that feeling and then the bling ring and we had been talking about this um before we started recording how that well that had been the first Sofia Coppola movie I'd saw I saw I think same yeah I saw it in theaters um and I was just like yeah like badass kid like it was just so the musical drops in that movie are so like burned into my brain when did that come out like 2013 yeah 2012 2013 yeah and like that movie is also so distinctly yes of its time of its time um, and especially because we were, like, the same age yeah. as the high schoolers in the movie. I think that, like, 
even though by all accounts it's not one of her best movies, but I think just that place in my heart. Yeah. And then um, I think my the year that I interned here in New York City, and it was your first year living here, mm-hmm. we met up and we went and saw The Beguiled. Which, that is an experience. Yeah. Okay. No, I would I would comfortably place On the Rocks. Okay, I'm switching up my answer now. I would comfortably place On the Rocks on like the mid to higher tier yeah. of her work. <laughs> yeah. I would say okay, so. The one movie that I've seen of hers that you have not seen is Marie Antoinette, which I think by, well, I don't know, it's hard, because that, in a lot of ways, feels like her most successful movie, not in terms of, like, box office, but, well, I don't really know that it could be in terms of box office, but it just feels like it checks a lot of boxes, but I know that at the time, critics didn't really love that movie, it famously got booed at Cannes, like, a whole thing, so, I don't know, I think, like, it's hard to rank them because I like her movies for different reasons. Like you said, like Bling Ring is very much like, oh, it brings me back to a very like, specific time. Like we were Facebook time. MySpace kids. Yes, and like we were, we grew up in the TMZ generation and like Perez Hilton and whatever. So that is really holds a special place in my heart. And then Marie Antoinette is just like beautiful in so many ways. And I don't know. And then her other movies make me feel a little bit more sentimental. So it's really hard to rank. I feel like On the Rocks though is. I don't know, toward, toward the top for me, because I just really liked the New Yorkiness of it all. Yes, yeah, so you, like, are, you are a New York-y kind of gal. I know, I know, I am. All right, well, the last order of business, of course, is to ask the sexy, the sexy st- stuff. The sexy oh, stuff. The sexy stuff. <laughs> we so, haven't done this in a while. I know, I know. We're really, you know, we're all frazzled over here. But, Lily... Are we doing are we doing sexy stuff of on the rocks or sexy stuff of the Sophia universe? I think I think the Sophia verse in general. Okay. Um, we could do both. We could I could subset it up for you. I had a great answer to this beforehand and now I don't remember what it was. You go first, I'll think of it. Oh, okay. Well, of of the Sophia verse, my my sexy stuff. Well, it's definitely not Emma Watson's uh Valley Girl accent in Bling Ring. Absolutely terrible. Absolutely trash. Uh, I just want to rob. <laughs> like, I'm going to find that sound bit. And oh, my God. It's so everybody. good. And she's like, for all I know, I could run a country someday. That was oh. really good. That was, I don't like that. That was really spot on. My name's also Emma, so it's just really spot Yeah, that's true. It must be a thing. Yeah. Oh, God. Hmm. My sick. Hmm. Okay. It, it's this. I don't know how I didn't immediately say this. It's opening the first shot of your movie on Scarlett Johansson's impeccable 17-year-old ass through sheer panties. Yeah, truly, 17-year-olds don't even know how blessed they are, really. Okay, what is my sexy stuff? My sexy stuff in Sofia Coppola's universe is literally the stuff. Like, her... The stuff. The stuff. Her her movies really appeal to all my materialistic sensibilities. Oh. (laughs) In that, like... This is how me and Emma differ as human beings. Yes, because... I, like, look at the apartment and on the rocks, and I'm like, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. It's very aspirational in a way that really, like, gets me no, every that's, time. That's, that's, she has a vibe, and it matches your vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a sucker for that. But, I don't know. I mean, can an apartment be sexy? I think yes. 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 Absolutely. Yes. Emma does. Emma just recently moved. We are currently in her new apartment, and I would, would say that your new apartment, this is a sexy apartment. Yes, but for the listeners, please don't assume that that means my apartment looks anything like no, no, it the doesn't. Soho it's apartment. just it's nice. I'm it's, cozy. Yeah, <laughs> yes, we're we're very cozy. I don't know if you can hear the you know sound of the train, just some New York ambiance. Yeah, here here in our audio studio. Yes, exactly. <laughs> really high tech. We have no microphones. Uh, yeah, this is actually the second time we've recorded this episode. It's fine. 
fine, guys. Yeah, we, we messed up the first recording. <laughs> but we just R. missed R. you all so much that we were willing to give it a second crack. And you know what? Sometimes do, we, we had a trial run, and hey, now we're good to go. You live and you learn. You live and you learn. All right. Well, this has been the Sofia Coppola episode of The Last Picture Hose. Thank you so much for joining us. We know it's been a while, so thanks for coming back. If you have things you'd like us to talk about or you want i don't know we're kind of like a blank slate with this podcast we'll do whatever we just do it because we are here to serve you and your movie needs we just want to have some fun so um yeah so how do we do this outro again lily i'm Um, i'm emma Beatty, (laughs) and you can find her on social media at emma Beatty, and this is lily stuklid and you can find her on social media at stukes and you can find the last picture hose on social media at Last Picture House. Amazing! We did it! (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.